This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger has been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. This is football heritage. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you're, you, you, are, you are an ostrich. It might be a winter break in the Premier League, but it's not a winter break for the rest of us. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Degan Hart, and joining me, as always, is Andrew Conway. Andrew? Hello? Andrew? Are you there? No! Andrew cannot join us this week, so I must man the ship on myself. But listener, never fear, because the show must go on. This will be a more relaxed and light show than usual, as you've likely noticed due to the runtime. Uh, I just want to talk to you about a few things I've seen this week that seem a little noteworthy. First of all, uh, the Premier League winter break started, so there's nothing really to say about the English football this week. Uh, but the game, but there are a few games to look forward to. Um, there's a match. There, I think they're both on Sunday evening. I should probably have opened the tab before I hit record, as opposed to after I hit record, which is what I'm doing right now. But I remember Leicester are playing as Wolves. Um, and Manchester United are going to Stamford Bridge. So obviously this is the reverse fixtures of... Uh, it's Wolves-Leicester, not Leicester-Wolves, sorry. Uh, that is on Friday, sorry, as well. I've got And the Man United match is on Monday, so I was completely wrong. Uh, but these are, of course, the reverse fixtures of the opening day uh, of the season where uh, Wolves-Leicester, I believe, played out a nil-all draw. A pretty tame one, or did Leicester... Or did, I think Leicester might, might have nicked it last minute. Um can't quite remember but uh obviously now both teams have come a long way since the start of the season uh Leicester's sitting pretty comfortably in and amongst the Champions League places meanwhile Wolves are kind of closing in on Chelsea uh who sit in fourth uh so it'll be interesting to see uh Wolves's form has been pretty good as of late uh I think they've picked up they've they've actually oh their form's actually dipped they drew I suppose they played Liverpool they Liverpool twice recently so that is understandable that their their form would dip they drew nil all Manchester United in their last game then lost to Liverpool but they they beat well, they beat Southampton informed Southampton they drew at Newcastle and they they lost to Watford who they always seem to lose to so that's not a great last five games they sit ninth in the table but they are only six points off Chelsea and this could be uh, a really interesting week for the the Champions League places because well Leicester are eight points ahead of Chelsea. This could be uh, the game where Leicester pretty much seal their their place in the Champions League because if Leicester do lose, do, if Leicester do win and Chelsea do lose, uh, that would be eleven points and that would be uh, that would be it. I would say like with only thirteen games to go or twelve games to go, eleven points, it would take a, a serious collapse from Leicester. And even with the serious collapse, you would still need Chelsea to or someone else even to just go on a decent run of form, which no one seems capable of doing. So yeah, I think uh, I think this could be a pivotal pivotal weekend for for Leicester. But in the same way, if Wolves do want to get Champions League qualification, which you know going into the season was an unlikely prospect for them. I think they would have taken another uh, seventh-place finish, get in the Europa League and, you know, try to do their best in the Europa League as it is. But 
if they do want to qualify in the Champions League this season, which is beginning to look more and more like a surprise team will do that, other than Leicester, uh, this is the game where they need to, you know, put a marker down and say, we can do this. Uh, because a win would only bring them to three points off Chelsea, uh, assuming, well, they'll have, they'll have played before Chelsea at the very least. So uh, a, a victory at home against Leicester will be big. Uh, they do perform better, generally speaking, against uh, the the sides that uh, that like to play with the ball. I don't want to say the bigger teams necessarily because, well, they just drew nil all with Man United in, in what was a pr- pretty tame affair. Neither side really looked like they were going to do anything in that one. Uh, last week it was that one. I know we didn't delve into it too much. We just kind of talked around the result as we spoke about Bruno Fernandes. Uh, who was the main story but with Wolves now uh, they play Leicester who do like to have the ball you know Leicester are a perfectly good counter-attacking side as we've seen but they are also incredibly comfortable on the ball and I do see them having the majority of the ball in this game and uh, I think Wolves will be pretty comfortable with that you know Friday night game I do think that there are certain stadiums in the Premier League that suit night games more than others and I think the Molyneux is actually a perfect example of that. If this was on Saturday 12.30, uh, I could see this game being a pretty tame one-all draw. Uh, but the fact that it's on a Friday night, the atmosphere will be very good. I have no doubt about that. It would take, well, a continuation of this wretched storm that we are experiencing here in the UK and Ireland for the atmosphere to really just you know have fans not even show up. Uh, that is the only scenario I see the atmosphere not being a, a a key part of the entertainment of this game because I do think this will be it will be a fun game but I don't think it'll be uh, I don't think it'll be I think this match finished four three last season I don't think we'll see something like that either um, but it's two contrasting styles coming together in a way that could clash really well and it's a good test for both sides because I, I i know one's third and one's ninth but i would consider these teams as good as each other uh, and i think leicester is greater comfortability on the ball that's not a word comfortability greater comfort on the ball I, I suppose you would say is the difference but the fact that this is a game where Wolves are playing against a team who are comfortable on the ball. It means it is more even between the two. And uh, yeah, I think this could be quite an enter- uh, entertaining match uh, to watch. You know, we could see a few goals here. Both teams not exactly the greatest defensively. Uh, Wolves in particular, they only have a goal difference of three. Uh, Leicester have a phenomenal goal difference. Uh, you know, they have a good defense, but they they are leaky. They in recent weeks have shown, uh, as their form has shown, they are conceding more. They conceded two against Chelsea, both from set pieces. Conceded in a four-one win against West Ham. Lost two-one to Burnley. Lost two-one to Southampton, and uh, beat Le- uh, beat Newcastle three-nil, which was five games ago now. So they haven't kept a clean sheet in a few games. Uh, so there could be goals this could be an entertaining one uh, I recommend watching it uh, definitely the fixture that stood out the most for me when I was looking at the games uh, the other ones this weekend then Southampton Burnley I don't expect much from that uh, Burnley are in decent form in the last couple of weeks which in this in this league means they've won a couple of games they picked up 7 points from 9 against difficult opposition in Leicester Man United and Arsenal uh, but Southampton are another side that have hit good form lately. You know they looked, they looked like they were certain to go down uh, in the last, or uh, about six weeks ago now. Uh, but 
even in a four 0 defeat against Liverpool, they looked up for it. They looked uh, good. They, you know, what more can you say to teams that lose to Liverpool at this stage? Even at a scoreline like that, Liverpool are just the runaway leaders in this league. Uh, everyone else has lost to them in every match except for somehow Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United side, uh, which is, I think, among a lot of crazy things this season, maybe the craziest thing to happen this season that we've gotten to February and Manchester United are the only side who've taken points off off Liverpool. This Manchester United side, I should emphasise. Um, but less Southampton, Leicester or Southampton, Burnley rather. I, I I wouldn't expect too much from that. No fireworks really. Then Norwich, Liverpool in the evening. Uh, I remember this game at the start of the season. This is the game that opened the season. This is uh, this is the game Liverpool fans will look back on and think uh, this was where our journey began. Uh, but as we reach the 26th stop on this station uh, to Premier League victory, I don't think uh, many Liverpool fans will have reason to look back on it as fondly as maybe the opening day of the season. Norwich... Uh, have been unlucky this season. The stats show that they've thrown away too many points to stay up this season. They're only on 18. I don't particularly think they're the side that are going to take points off Liverpool on their, uh, I think it's a 20-game winning run now or something like that, or we're getting close to Manchester City's record if they haven't already surpassed it or matched it. Uh, could be another 4 0 route here. Uh, I, like, I like this Norwich side. I think they're good. They play exciting, attractive football. They're courageous on the ball in a way that a lot of teams that come up aren't. Uh, and I think that's been a weird trend over the last few years we're seeing. Uh, despite the wealth gap between the Premier League and the Championship widening, we're seeing Championship clubs coming up, uh, actually going at uh, a Premier League clubs, which might be a topic Andrew and I discuss later down the line, but uh, not this week or next week because this will be a comfortable victory for, for Liverpool. Then on Sunday, we have Aston Villa Spurs, which on the opening day of the season was quite an entertaining match. Aston Villa took a, an early lead in that one and just about couldn't hold on thanks to a Tanga and Dombele uh, debut screamer, I suppose, to be generous. It was a pretty good effort uh, just on the edge of the box, first time. Was it a first time volley? I can't quite remember, but it was a very good strike anyway on his debut. Um, and he's been on a rocky road since then for him with up many highs and many many lows but Spurs Jose Mourinho's bald I suppose is the big news of Tottenham over the winter break which is I'm uncomfortable looking at a ball of Jose Mourinho and Jose Mourinho shaving his head I think is an extreme to like it, it's very extreme because at Manchester United and his second stint to Chelsea when things it's not that when things went bad, it was when things were about to go bad and he was like, okay, this is my idea to right the ship. It's get a haircut. Uh, so I think I think it's worrying for, for Tottenham that uh, he's decided to shave his head if he thinks this is his way to right the ship. Uh, so Aston Villa, they're in trouble as well, but they have, yeah, that's my, that's my deep Spurs analysis. With with Aston Villa, uh, I think there's already talks of Jack Grealish going. This is this is a game for him to prove himself, I suppose, because he was linked with Spurs back at the time they lost the playoff final to Fulham. Uh, he's linked with them tangentially last summer as well, but it was obvious he'd, he'd want to stay and captain Villa in a Premier League campaign. It does seem like he's going to go now, and this seems like a good uh, a good opportunity for him to to show why the big clubs are after him because. Spurs are not playing particularly well. They are not a particularly good side. We've been 
very critical of Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho on the show in the last two months since his appointment as Tottenham, Manche- Tottenham manager, not Tottenham Manchester United, um, as Tottenham man- manager, nearly said it again. Uh, so if if Aston, it's, it's hard it's hard to really call this one because Aston Villa don't need to win this match if they want to stay up, but it is the kind of match that would just give them that breathing space. Like, they are, I think, only a point above the relegation zone. Yeah, they're a point above the relegation zone at 17th. They do need to start picking points up, and it's late enough in the season that they can't really start picking and choosing the games they want to win and lose. Uh, at home, especially. Like, they need to be picking up at least a point in this kind of game. Uh, but on the other hand, Tottenham, if they want to call for the Champions League, they need to, you know, show a bit of form. They've won the last two games now, which, uh, as I said previously, uh, is a sign of form, the way this league is going. No one can show any, any consistency. So this is Tottenham's chance to show that bit of consistency, to uh, to grab the bull by the horns, I guess, and, and catch up with Chelsea, who, again, play after them at the very least here. Uh, and they have a difficult game uh, at home to Manchester United. And then lastly on Sunday, we have the match between Ch- or Arsenal rather and Newcastle, who if you said to me at the start of the season when these two teams met and Arsenal won away from home, that come mid-February, 25 games in, they'd be level on points. I'd been, I would have been very, very confused. Uh, but increasingly... I am now convinced that Unai Emery would have relegated this Arsenal team. They have picked up very few points under uh, Freddie Lundberg and Mikel Arteta, but they've picked up more points than I think Emery would have. Uh, They've gone four draws in a row now in the league, which is, I suppose that's consistency. It's not good consistency. It's not bad consistency. It's just consistency, which in this league is, is more impressive than anything. They still have a negative goal difference, which is kind of incredible. Uh, they are tenth. You know, if it, I I don't want to reveal too much about my age, but I uh, in this sentence, but I've never experienced a season with Arsenal where they weren't at the very least top five, top six. For them to be tenth just seems unnatural to me. I know, obviously, they're a long storied history in English football, and they have had times where they're tenth, but it's been quite a while. Uh, you know they did win the league. I'm not a, I'm not 30 years old, but they did win the league in 1989. Like they've been that they've been consistent since or in and around then with a bit of a dip in the early 90s. So for them to be tenth in this era is truly sensational. It is like when Chelsea did it as champions in 15-16, it was it was a shock. But the fact that we're not actually all that shocked by Arsenal being tenth, I think, means something. But I don't know quite what. Uh, but I think this is their ch- well. It's actually not their chance to gain positions because they're four points off Wolves in ninth. But this is their chance to, I don't know, break away from the relegation battle that they are seemingly in because Newcastle are in it, and again they are level on points. But uh, I don't realistically think Arsenal are going to go down. I think you know. It's just been a weird season for them. They clearly need to focus on the Europa League now. Whether that actually yields a result or anything remains to be seen. I don't think they can win the Europa League. But, you know, if they draw all their away matches pretty well in the Europa League and draw all their home games nil-nil, they can get to a final. Uh, I suppose you can always win the thing on penalties, I guess. So, yeah, a bit of a dud season for Arsenal. A bit of an okay season for Newcastle. I think this is a good chance for Arsenal at home to finally pick up a win. First win since uh, 
January 1st in the league so that's much needed and then the game I've kind of been building to this whole time Chelsea against Manchester United of course we all remember the 4-0 victory for Manchester United at the start of the season first game at Old Trafford uh, Frank Lampard's first game as Chelsea manager it did not go as expected uh, or as hoped for uh, the Chelsea contingent uh, Frank Lampard since then has seen a 9 point lead over Manchester United since then it's a 6 point gap now I really uh, worded that poorly it's a 6 point gap between them uh, a big big chance for Chelsea to consolidate themselves in the top 4 right as Sheffield United of all clubs of a 2 point gap beneath them Tottenham as I said could move to within a point uh, before Chelsea kick off uh, they have a good record against Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. This is the kind of game where form, it doesn't go out the window as so much as it just reverses itself. It like form goes out the back door uh, uh, going into previous fixtures, both home and away in this game. Uh, the team in form loses. Uh, so we could see if we were to go with that principle, this will be a draw because neither team's in form. Uh and I could easily see a draw. Manchester United have yet to win a league game at Stamford Bridge since Ferguson retired. And even then, in the late years of the Ferguson era, he himself struggled to win at Stamford Bridge. I think he only won one twice uh, at Stamford Bridge in all competitions in his last like five, six, seven years uh, at Manchester United. Obviously, Chelsea were uh, the second best club or first best club really in that era. They were they were Man United's biggest competitor at that time so a win at Stamford Bridge would would mean a lot more than it does now but Solskjaer himself has actually won here twice uh, in both the FA Cup and the League Cup uh, that could mean something I don't really think it does uh, Manchester United do have Bruno Fernandes as I mentioned Scott McTominay is training with them in their warm weather training camp in Spain I think they went to Spain uh, so that is a, a bonus for them they might actually get to field a midfield in a game uh, which is unusual for Manchester United to say the least this season uh, actually just tactically it would be interesting to see what Frank Lampard does because uh, he's kind of flip-flop between a back three and a back four in the last couple of months the back three hasn't really worked out all that well and we saw uh, most notably in the game at the Emirates that he started with a back three got completely exposed at wide and he made a half an hour substitution that brought in I think it was Jorginho came on and they switched to a back four and they were able to gain control in that match as Arsenal tired and they ultimately won it from a losing position Uh, Frank Lampard maybe from his lowest moment tactically to his highest in the space of 90 minutes Uh, Solskjaer of course does like these games he does like not having the ball he likes to counter attack Chelsea are maybe the most open side on the counter-attack in the league at the moment. So, could see another 4-0, really, if if, uh, if Chelsea squander their chances as they have done in recent games. And I really just feel like it comes down to, do Chelsea take their chances? Because they will they will start strong. I do imagine they'll start on the front foot. I could see them, you know, it could be very like the match at Old Trafford, where we'll see, you know, have they learned from their mistakes. Because remember, they hit the post twice in that match uh, or at the very least they hit the frame of the goal twice in that match and then conceded a penalty and then from there they unraveled and lost 4-0 uh, so if they can convert those chances take an early lead I could see them being able to hold on to it, hold on to it in a way that they maybe couldn't in, against other sides as you know if they do take a 1-0 lead 
I can imagine them being able to give seed possession more and more to Manchester United and then being very comfortable to sit back and watch Manchester United, you know, fail to score, fail to break them down. Uh, Chelsea could pull a classic Chelsea move. And, like, the, these are two teams that suffer from the same problems. Like, they both have shown that they don't really know how to break down a team that sits back and waits. So maybe it favours Manchester United to be the wayside here because the onus will be on Chelsea to have the ball. And I think they'll be the more courageous side on the ball They'll, they'll be the ones that will be okay taking the ball, whereas I can see Man United purely going for, not necessarily route one, because I don't think they're just going to hoof it, but I do think they will go pure counter-attacking very quickly and on the onset. Uh, a huge match here in terms of the table, like Manchester United now sit eighth. There are reports that if, if Solskjaer doesn't finish within the top six, that will be enough for him to lose his job, which is a bit, you know, whatever. You know, we've talked about the... The shortcomings of the board of Manchester United plenty, so we'll just keep it on the pitch for for now as Andrew isn't here to, to bounce off ideas with me. But I think uh, I, this match could really go either way. It is very hard to call, much like the Leicester Wolves match because they do they do offer that contrast to each other. Like I think... Well, it's not that they offer a contrast to each other. It's just they do in the Leicester Wolves game. It's just a matter of will Chelsea take their chances because that's been their downfall. Like they were, They've been so easy to just it's been very easy for opponents lately to just sit back watch them squander a few chances and then break on the counter and take one of their two or three chances or two like like again uh arsenal had two shots and a two all draw and drew two all they scored both of them uh just a few weeks ago they drew two all with leicester uh actually now that i think about it i'd love to see a team get three two all draws in a row just because that's not common uh, but Manchester United need to win this game maybe a bit more than Chelsea do because Chelsea have that bit of a cushion. If Manchester United lose this, I would consider their top four hopes gone. That would be a nine-point gap. Uh, they do not have the form to claw nine points. Whereas if they win this, it goes to three points. And I think they... It's not that they have the form. I think it's just three points is a small enough gap that a couple of results going their way could see them doing it. Or at the very least, their hopes will still be alive as we go into the last 12 games of the season, last three months. So, a very interesting match. Monday Night Football as well. Stamford Bridge, not like the Molyneux, I would say. Um, a, Stamford, a night match at Stamford Bridge, I think, is always... you know, it's it, There's been some good ones in the past, but I would say they're more of a, a day ground, to be honest. I feel like they tend to... I feel like 12.30 kickoff suit Chelsea more. You know, this is getting to my own weird minutia of kickoff times and aesthetics that uh, should maybe be a different... Uh, a different show altogether uh, quite frankly I could do a whole special on it if you want uh, but I don't think anyone wants that so I'll, I'll move on and away from the Premier League now as I look to the Bundesliga because I actually watched a few Bundesliga games uh, over the weekend well I watched a, I watched one Bundesliga game over this particular weekend but I watched uh, a few Bayern games lately they drew nil with Orby Leipzig uh, this weekend uh, I think it was an interesting matchup because Orby Leipzig kind of were happy to sit back and try try and catch Bayern on the counter attack uh, it was two very I wouldn't say very well drilled but I would say it was two two teams who knew what they were doing at the very least uh, going at each other with a game plan and just nullifying each other not taking their chances uh, and it was one of those frustrating nil-nils where at the end of it you kind of sit there and you wonder how did it finish nil-nil like it wasn't a boring drab nil-all affair that you might associate with uh, Italy it was very much a German nil-all draw uh, Timo Werner in particular missed a couple absolutely amazing chances 
And uh, the title race there is uh, the most exciting in Europe. There's four teams, realistically, that can still do it. Obviously, the favourite is and always will be Bayern Munich. Even if they are six points back with two games to go, you'd still think maybe they can do it. Uh, they're, they're the phoenix that never needs to rise uh, from the ashes or anything. They, they will always just be there. Uh, so <clears throat> in terms of the title race, Bayern... Bayern uh, do still lead the table. Orbi Leipzig are second, and then Bruce Mönchengladbach and Bruce Dortmund are just a few points back. Disappointing weekend for Dortmund uh, as they lost four three away to Bayer Leverkusen, despite uh, holding a three two lead in uh, in the 80th minute. Uh, Erling Haaland did not score, so I don't know. Does this game actually count? You know, I think only games in which he scores counts. Is there's a crazy stat that I heard over the weekend that this is the first game since September 2018 in which he's played the full 90 minutes and didn't score it might be a league game I don't know if he played 90 minutes Champions League game didn't score but that's still incredible to play a full 90 minutes not score uh, and it be for the first time in nearly two years uh, that is sensational he truly is uh, a great talent uh, it, it seems crazy to me that I have to actually point out a game in which he didn't score because it's becoming the anomaly. The norm is he will score once, maybe even twice per game at this rate. Uh, he's a phenomenal talent, one of the brightest in the game, and uh, I look forward to seeing his career unfold uh, for the next 10, 15 years, provided he can stay healthy. Uh, for Bayern, though, uh, I just want to point out that over the last few games, I've been really impressed with Leon Goretzka, and particularly Alfonso Davis, who was a striker turned into a left-back. So he's basically the opposite of da- David Alaba. Uh, so he's been very entertaining, uh, very impressive down the left side. Caused a lot of troubles for Orby Leipzig at the weekend. Uh, his one-twos, his overlaps, his cutbacks into the box. He created a couple of great chances that just no one got on the end of, uh, which must have been frustrating for him. He, Especially when he knows he probably could have been the person to be on the other end of it if someone else is supplying the ball uh, as someone who who was a striker. So it'll be interesting to see them in the Champions League. Can they can they repeat those performances both as a team and individually for Goretzka and Davis? Uh, particularly Davis, who reminds me of Marcelo in a way, like a, a quicker uh, Marcelo, maybe not as good a crosser of the ball uh, into the box, but certainly uh, as big an attacking threat. Uh, and then finally then I just want to wrap up with Serie A uh, Juventus falling to a 2-1 defeat to Hellas Verona there's rumours that Aaron Ramsey wants to leave the club which would be interesting like would he go back to Arsenal uh, th- that's maybe a question I'll pose to to Andrew next week for our Champions League preview because that will be our, our main focus of the show next week I would say and just finally in the in, in Syria the, the derby della Madonnina took place which is of course the Milan derby AC Milan took a 2-0 a lead going into the half time Zlatan with a goal and an assist uh, kind of I, I can't I, I can't remember his name now but Inter had to play a second string goalkeeper Handanovic wasn't available I, I, I'm not sure of the reason but uh, this goalkeeper did not cover himself in glory for either of the goals looked dodgy throughout the first half but then whatever Antonio Conte threatened Inter Milan with at half time uh, they, they came out the second half much much the better side turned it around 1-4-2 uh, closed the gap with Juventus to zero they are now level on points uh, I think uh, Juve have the head to head which is the difference between them I don't think it goes to goal difference in Italy uh, and then just one point back is Lazio 
who won against Parma, which is, I think, their 12th win in 13 games or something like that, which is crazy. Or maybe it's their 12th win in 14. I'm not sure, but their their form has been phenomenal. We shouldn't be sleeping on them. I, I, I can't say that they will win Serie A just yet because uh, you just you get the feeling with a lot of clubs in these scenarios that they just don't do enough to get over the line. It is very hard for them to do so against these super clubs like Juventus and even to an extent Inter, who it, it says a lot about the state of football. They were looking to Inter Milan as the the underdog in, in this story considering you know they won the Champions League just 10 years ago. Um, but it will be... Between between Syria and and the Bundesliga, I think they they are the most entertaining uh, league titles at the moment. Certainly, England isn't the Premier League isn't doing much. France uh, is France. There was a hilarious on goal there at the in the PSG match as well that I just want to make reference to because if you haven't seen it, you know, look for it, seek it. Uh, it is hilarious, uh, and it's to the point where. You wonder, like, could PSG score a more humiliating goal? Like, I don't think they could, uh, which says a lot because you know they have the they have the greatest potential of all to score humiliating goals against their opponents and really sink Liga as a contest, uh, which is slightly depressing in a way. But uh, that that's gonna do us for the show this week. Uh, again, Andrew could not make it this week for uh, whatever reason. It doesn't matter. Uh, he just couldn't be here. Uh, he will hopefully be back next week and if not we'll still have a show uh, we'll, we'll improvise hopefully it won't just be me again this was very last minute decision uh, so uh, fortunately it was good timing what well, was a winter break and not a huge amount happening even off the off the pitch nothing really happened that warrants a, a deep discussion uh, plenty of decent European football though and I certainly hope that you seek it out if you if you like football and want to watch something entertaining and want to watch an entertaining title race because we're certainly not getting in the Premier League this season at the very least uh, even though the top four race is interesting and the relegation battle is interesting so uh, yeah that will, that will wrap us up for this week I'll be back again next week where we'll talk about the Champions League maybe the relegation battle as well I do want to d- dig into that and uh, of course there'll be plenty of results to talk about although we probably won't get to Chelsea against Manchester United but we will talk about the the rest of the matches I discussed and uh, of course the Champions League last 16 will be back uh, the knockout stages will be commencing soon there's a couple of interesting fixtures there and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys about or talking with you guys about it and we'll be back again next week thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show spread the word of the total football takeover you can also follow us on social media at the tf pod on twitter and total football pod on instagram you can also be found on podcast services including spotify by searching total football podcast the more the merrier that's what we always say